Hello, Sawbona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Hello, there we go. Come on, good morning everyone. Good to see you this morning. Um, I was just checking the online crew that I have logged in this morning, and I see that uh, the Chitambos are online this morning. And the reason is because they're in hospital, and they've just had a baby. Yeah, isn't that awesome? So um, I'll read what uh, Deneo put on the chat. She says, morning church, greetings from myself and soon to be new member of the church, Tariwanashe Karabo Chitambo. Hey, come on. Tariwanashe, yay, we have a new member. <laughs> awesome. Darling, while you're up here, I was just thinking there is a way for Bokosi to become our daughter. But after last week's sermon, we don't go there. <laughs> we don't go there. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch the message next week. We are a changed church. We are a changed church. Amen. Well, it's good to see you all this morning. Um, just a quick heads up on the next like month or so. Uh, I am I am leaving uh, this week. Uh, I'm going to be traveling for the next two weeks. Next Sunday, I'm going to be with Every Nation London. How cool is that? And um, and then the following week, I'm going to be with Every Nation Utrecht, which is uh, a town in uh, Holland, just south of Amsterdam. And in between that, I'm going to a conference in Amsterdam where leaders from around the world are gathering to talk about how can we make the next 10 years, before it's 2,000 years since Jesus uh, ascended, the most impactful years of reaching the lost worldwide. So global minds, global leaders are coming together to, in Amsterdam, and all we're going to be talking about is how can we reach the world for Jesus in the next 10 years and make it the most fruitful 10 years we have ever had as a church. And um, it's amazing because the premise of the conference is built on the fact that before Jesus comes, there will be a massive harvest on the earth. And if there's going to, we know this, if there's going to be a massive harvest, what's going to happen before that? We're going to have a massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit, amen? We're going to have revival because if there's no rain, there's no harvest. So, um, so this is really just in alignment with revival rain and what we're carrying as a church and very excited to be there. Please keep me in prayer as we travel and, and look after my wife in my absence. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So also very exciting what's coming up in July is we've got Makabongwe Sokofudamala coming to preach, uh, which is really cool. So for those of you who don't know, Mac is, uh, used to be a pastor in this house. He's now pastoring at our Every Nation Church in Potchefstroom, leading a congregation there, and he's going to be down in Durban, uh, kicking off July for us with a sermon, which I'm so excited about. And then we are, as Every Nation Durban, we're hosting the School of Evangelism the African Enterprise School of Evangelism for that first week in July where evangelists are coming from all different churches here to our venue for seven days to be trained by some of the best evangelists around the country and around the world so that they can go back to their churches and win the lust for Jesus. What an honor that we get to host that as a church. 
And uh, yeah, so as, that, as we get closer to that time, we're just going to share more about it and just we want to, as a community, really come around the school and see what we can do to serve and encourage and pray for it and make sure that every person who arrives here for that school is going to be so touched by the Holy Spirit, so filled with the power of God, they're going to leave and go make a huge impact for Jesus. So Mac coming, School of Evangelism in July. The next Sunday, we'll have Michael Cassidy coming to preach here from this pulpit, which uh, is amazing. Yeah, so that's the second Sunday in July, which, guys, I just, I mean, don't miss that. I'm like, please, can we just make July like holy special month, and let's, I don't know, just get everyone that we can here. I mean, we don't want to miss a father in the faith, a father in our nation, a man who's worked tirelessly for reconciliation in our nation, coming here and preaching from our pulpit. I can't tell you how honored I feel. So, um, yeah, heads up on that. And then we've got some more exciting stuff happening in July, but, 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 but. Let's get into some word for today. <laughs> We're starting a new series called Discovering Your Ministry. For the next three weeks, this is going to be our topic. And I'm very excited about this series. It's been put together by Asipe and Travis and myself as like a collaboration today. I'm kicking it off next week. Asipe is going to be preaching. And uh, yeah, come on. And then after that, we're going to be having Travis Gale wrapping it up for us. So uh, these are going to be some uh, three power weeks for you guys, for us as a church. I want to encourage you, lean into the series. Really, really lean into it. If you've been a Christian for a long period of time, I want to encourage you especially, lean into this series. We are trusting God that as we journey through the Word, things in you are going to start to come alive. And you're going to start to realize what you need to be focusing on and what you need to be doing with your life. To kick us off this morning, we're going to start... Oh, oh, you know, this woman, she's amazing, eh? Isn't she gorgeous? We're, we are going to play a game this morning, all right, to, to kick us off. So I'm thinking I'm going to need like a, a contestant, someone who, who am I going to choose this morning? Who's my contestant? Okay, I think over you, lady in the white. Come on up. Come on up. Sorry. Give her a hand as she comes up. <laughs> Okay, remind us your name again. Zella. Zella. Okay, give Zella a hand, guys. Come on. Zella, if you have come on over to this side. Now, we're going to be playing a game. Does that look nice to you? Does it look exciting? Interesting? Yes. Okay. Uh, we're going to play this game called Money or the Box. How many of you know this game? <laughs> used to play it at kids' parties, hey? I mean, it's just, it's awesome. Do you know this game? No? Okay, that's great. So we're going to give you a choice this morning, all right? You can take money or you can take the box, all right? And we're going to go through a stage here. So what I'm going to do is I've put together some money, and I've got five rand this morning, which I can give you. You can take it, or you can say, no, I'd rather take what's in the box, all right? Now, now, the box could be empty. You don't know what's in the box, okay? So you could take the box, 
open it up and be like, oh, I should have taken the five rand. All right? Or vice versa, there might be something tremendously valuable in there, and then you'll be so glad you left the five rand. So now, what's it going to be? Money or the box? Are you sure? Are you sure? You could take this and this is it. Okay. We're going to up the stakes here a little bit. Ten bucks. Money or the bucks? Are you sure? It could be empty. There could be tissue paper in there. It could be deceptive. Ten rand. Okay. I'm going to bring out some notes now. Some Madibas this morning. <laughs> 20 Madibas or the bucks? Are you sure? Just feel that it's real money. I'm not joking. This is not Monopoly money. Are you sure? 30. 30 bucks? Woo! Are you 100% sure? What should she do? Oh. Here is 50 rands. <laughs> 50 bucks or the bucks. Not. Seventy rands. Ninety rands. Ninety rands. All the bucks. <laughs> Ninety rands. All the bucks. Okay. She wants the box, she can have the box this morning. We're gonna give you the box. Let's, let's open it up. Eish. Can, we, can we have that like suspense music playing? Ooh, what's it gonna be? Ah, just rip it, girls. Come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> definitely made a right choice there. Well done. Well done. Okay. Okay, what is the whole point of playing this game this morning? Well, I think in many ways, life is a game like money or the box. You know, the Bible says that we are created in the image of God, in the likeness of God, but that God has put gifts inside of us. He's put talents inside of us. Each of us are uniquely made and sculpted in, in and we all got different personalities and different abilities. And in many ways, the Bible alludes to the fact that we are like a gift that God is giving to the world. You see, a humanistic kind of 
worldview says that people are problems, all right? A, a biblical worldview says, no, people are made in the image of God, and we are to redeem the image of God, all right? Bring it into the kingdom, because when we are redeemed, we are actually a gift to the world. You wanna know all these problems that are out in the world today? Let me tell you something. The answers are in our kids. There they are. God gives us children and they're wired in a particular way with a particular ability to go out and solve that thing. The answers are in people. Think about all the problems that we've had before that have been solved. How did they get solved? But by the gift of God in operation through a person and the need was met. And so in many ways, we are like this gift to the world, but this gift comes wrapped up all right, we come wrapped up. We're like, we're wrapped up in all these like past hurts and we're wrapped up in this culture that we come from and this uh, family that we come from and we go to school and we just get put into this regimental class and we all get like, you know, the same, we all have to do the same subjects and we go through this like schooling system and we all just have to comply and we just like, it's like we, we factory humans, you know, we put them humans through <laughs> factory kind of style. And, and very rarely, then we finish school, and then what's the next thing we have to do? Get a job, all right? Get some money, all right? And never do we really think about opening the box. Because we take the money. We take the money, why? Because we need to take the money. It's urgent to take the money. It's like it's necessary that we take the money. And very rarely do people stop and go, let me unpack me. Who am I? How have I been wired by God? What is the particular destiny, the particular calling, the particular ministry that God has given me? Why did he put me on planet planet Earth? And for some of us, that question can be painful. It can just be like, I don't know. I like this and I like that and I don't like this and I kind of like this. I'm not really sure which way should I go. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Like this was the question when I was like at Vasi. It was just like, who am I? What am I called to do with my life, you know? And, and it's a difficult question to unpack. And so it's very easy for us just to, in the difficulty of that question, to just go for the Madibas instead. And we wonder why it is that we end up living and working and feeling so unfulfilled in what we're doing. It's because we've taken the urgent over the important. And because we've taken the world system over the kingdom of God. And so what we have to do is all of us, right? This is so necessary. We have to understand that we've been born into the kingdom of God, that we have a king over our lives, and he's designed us uniquely, he's designed us specifically, and there is a place and there is a function for each and every one of us. I believe this with all my heart. And it might be a little bit of a process to get there, but let me tell you this, when you're functioning in your ministry, when you're walking in the thing that God has called you to walk in, there is nothing greater. It is like this feeling of the wind behind your back, man. Jesus said this when he was in the middle of his ministry, when uh, people were coming to get saved, and, and the disciples were like, Jesus, you haven't eaten. He has some food, and he was like, guys, you don't understand. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. 
In other words, I've got a sense of fulfillment, I've got a sense of satisfaction that goes beyond any sort of temporary pleasure. It's doing the thing that God designed me to do, doing the will of my Father in heaven. You know, when we step into our calling and into our purpose and into our ministry, it's like there is this divine grace that kicks into motion, and the thing that we do suddenly, I don't want to use the word easy because easy doesn't really exist, right? But there's grace. There's grace. What is grace? In the Bible, grace is power from heaven. It's grace to do it. And all of us need to find that place where, where is the grace? Where do I step out and see more than what I put in? Where do I step out and find that sense of satisfaction and fulfillment? Where is that place for me? What is that design for me? Because let me tell you something. Not only do we need you to find that, but the world needs you to find that place. The world needs that, all right? The world needs what's inside of you. And so it's so important that all of us discover our ministry, discover our calling, discover our place. Where is the place of grace? John the Baptist said the following. He said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. He was being quizzed. Who are you and what authority are you preaching on? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. What was he saying? Was he, he was saying that, you know, if you look at John the Baptist's life, it says from, from a young age, he was in the wilderness until he was revealed to Israel. So in the wilderness, what was he doing? Preparing himself. Who am I? Oh, and eventually, there was, I just imagine it, this day, that one day there was this day in the wilderness where he was pondering through the prophets and reading through the scriptures, and he came across that scripture in Isaiah where it says, there, there will be one who's in the wilderness crying out, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And when he read it, it was like the Holy Spirit just said, that is you. This is what I, you were born for. And then he took that scripture and that word from heaven, and then he went out and he lived it, and thousands came and got baptized in the river Jordan and repented of their sins, and he literally prepared a nation for the arrival of the Messiah and even announced the Messiah's coming. He was the, he was the messenger of Elijah, this carrying the spirit of Elijah, preparing the way of the Lord and announcing the, the arrival of Jesus. I mean, what a ministry. He knew his place. He knew what he was called to do, and he functioned in it, and the impact was great. And I want to say it's going to be the same with you. When you know who you are, and when you know what you're called to, the impact is going to be great. And we're called to be a church that makes an impact. Yeah. Amen? Yeah, so it's so important that we discover our ministry. So we're going to get into the Word. We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Let's just pray before we open the Word. Father in heaven. We commit this time to you. We believe that your plans for us are good, but that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing, and direction. We treasure your word more than our daily bread. And we boldly confess this morning that our minds are alert, our hearts are receptive, and we say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. You know what, just while I'm praying, I'm just reminded of a moment when I was in church, I don't know how long ago, in the 90s, 94, somewhere around there, and a pastor got up and began to preach, 
about people being called into church planting. And the anointing was so strong, I literally was slipping out of my chair onto the floor. Just like, <laughs> couldn't do much about it. And I just feel like there's an anointing here this morning for some of you just to hear the voice of your father confirming you, confirming the call on your life, confirming what he's called to do. So I just pray that, Lord. This is a holy moment. Lord, I just pray that you sanctify this place, that you protect this place, that you surround this place with your angels this morning, Lord. And I pray for a free download from heaven, Father God. I pray for heavens to be open this morning, Lord God. And I pray for your voice. Lord God, to come into this place and touch every heart that's seeking, Lord, to touch every person who's answering the question, that you would come and build up and strengthen and release, Lord God, and that you would affirm your children this morning in their identity and in their purpose. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I can be preaching a sermon and the, and, the, and the Holy Spirit can be ministering to you a whole nother sermon, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and it's important that while I'm speaking, most importantly, that you're listening to what the Holy Spirit is affirming you this morning. I have such a sense that he's working here. I have such a sense this morning that he's going from person to person, from aisle to aisle this morning, even to you guys online this morning, wherever you are, that there's a work of the Holy Spirit here. Church, I'm telling you, there's a work of the Holy Spirit here this morning. It's a beautiful work. He's going to do something great. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get into it. Amen. You ready? All right. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 to 12. Can we read it together? It says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Amen. I know we know the scripture really well as every nation, Durban. But let's just, let's just look at it with some fresh eyes this morning. Often when we speak about ministry, or we use this word ministry, what do we normally think about? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, me, right? I'm in ministry, right? That's how we normally think about ministry. But when we look at the scripture, the scripture is telling us that there's a fivefold gifting, and its purpose is to equip saints to do the work of ministry. So, question who does ministry? Saints do the ministry. And it's the fivefold the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher who does the what? The equipping so that saints can do the, the ministry. Very rarely do you think of yourself in ministry, hey? Come on, nudge the person next to you and say, do you know that you're a minister? Did you know that? <clears throat> I, I want to say, I think it's a strategy of Satan to twist the scripture and our understanding. I think he would love for... For, for there to be a situation in the church where we think ministry is what Wayne is doing right now only. And that, you know, you, there's, there's five people or five different gift mixes that are called into that position. And, and the rest of us, we spectate. We listen, we follow, we get taught. We, but, but really the ministry is just happening there. I think that's an, the enemy's 
strategy to disempower the church and it's starting to weaken there's he's wanted to always throughout history build a separation between clergy and laity he's always wanted to build that separation so that we all think that the saints are the ones in ministry but that we forget that we are actually all redeemed by the blood of Jesus and we're all saints you know you're a saint so we always go like St. Langer, St. Knox, St. Nosipo, you know what I mean, St. Benedict, etc. And we think like they're there, we're here. The Word of God is telling us that we are the saints. We are saints. Can you just say, I am saint, and then say your name? I am saint Wayne. Yeah, we got lots of saints this morning. <laughs> Why would we not think that? we don't have confidence in the finished work of Jesus we're like Thomas doubting what Jesus has actually done and the re e guys if we doubt the finished work of, of, of Jesus on the cross we will never step into our ministries we'll never step into our identities we must accept that what he has done he has done he has redeemed us he has bought us at a price we are forgiven for all our sins he continually cleanses us of all our sins we are saints in the kingdom of God. And what do saints do? The word is telling us here. They do ministry. So let's unpack this word ministry. Let's get, like, we're going to get a little scientific this morning, if you don't mind. The word minister, what is ministry? The word minister means, in its simplest definition, service. But it's not just in the sense of, like, I, you know, whenever we think about serving, we always think about the person who makes tea, right? <laughs> or cleans up or does the dishes. That's, that's how we think of serving. But I'm actually serving right now. All right. So, so tech right now are busy. They're serving. All right. So serving, we often put it into a very narrow thing, but it's a, it's a much broader sense. And, it's, and, a, and a better understanding of this word ministry is somebody who has the authority of the kingdom, but serves under that authority. That's what a minister is. And that's what ministry is. So kind of, it's almost like the word carries an ambassadorial feel to it, like a representative of the kingdom, but under the kingdom, in the power of the kingdom, but exercising the rights of the kingdom. So just like, you know, when we talk about ministry today, we can get, we think of church, and what else do we think about? Government. Parliament, thank you. <laughs> we think about Parliament. Why? Because our government has been broken up into departments, which we call ministries. You know, there's the Ministry of Home Affairs, there's the Ministry of Defense, Education, Sport. Yeah? Hey, really? <laughs> Come back to Durban. <laughs> Yes, we even have the Ministry of Electricity right now. And, and then what do we do in those departments, those ministries, we appoint ministers. And those ministers oversee that portfolio. So there's a portfolio, and then there is a minister over that portfolio. And it's exactly the same in the kingdom of God. There are areas of service. There are ministries of service and if you are a minister, then you are appointed by the kingdom to operate with the power of the kingdom in that area, in that ministry. 
everybody has their place in the kingdom. Everybody has a function. There's none of us who are just like, ah, what are we going to do now with uh, Stu, you know? He's got so many, ah, we can use him here, there. No, heaven's not confused. We're confused, okay? (laughs) And we need to get unconfused about this and find where it is that God has put us. So this phrase, equip the saints for the work of ministry, is basically the role of the fivefold gifting is equip saints, right? That's the believers, the laity, to walk in the authority of the kingdom and serve the vision of the kingdom. That's the role of the laity, to equip you to walk in the authority of the kingdom, to understand that you're a man or you're a woman in a kingdom, under the authority of the kingdom, and to serve the vision of the kingdom of God here on earth. So let's just pause on that for a moment. What is God's vision? What is the kingdom vision for earth at the moment? Jesus taught us to pray. Our Osezulwini, hallowed be thy name, thy where? As it is in heaven. So the vision of, hev- of, of, the, of the kingdom is heaven on earth. That's the vision. Okay, just like you go and work for a company and they say, our vision is to expand into multiple, you know, to build a global company that serves this area or whatever. God has a vision and the, and a, for his kingdom. And what is that vision? That it would be on earth as it is in heaven. That's why Jesus taught us to pray like that. In Revelation eleven fifteen, we see the results of that. We know the end from the beginning, right? <laughs> in the end, it says, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So this is the end result. We know that's the future. We know it's certain. The question is, well, what now? We'll get busy with it. Get busy with that. I mean, if I told you that this is going to happen and this is where we are right now, it would be be wise of you to start going, okay, if that's the end, let me start building so that I'm, I'm serving that end. Not that I'm doing this thing over here and then God's going this way. Would you agree with me? So all of us, if we need to have a kingdom vision for our lives, we have to understand that God is wanting to establish heaven on earth. So I would, I would give us a definition, definition this morning that ministry is this. It's what you do to advance the kingdom of God by serving with your unique gifts and talents. That's not a bad definition, hey? What you do to advance the kingdom of God by serving with your unique gifts and talents. So can you just tell it to somebody this morning? Just tell them ministry is... What you do to advance the kingdom of God <clears throat> let's unpack that for a moment. How does the kingdom of God advance? Well, we know there's three ways advances. It's what is our mission as a church? It's to Reach disciple impact, okay? So when lost people are reached 
with the gospel, the kingdom advances. What has happened? The kingdom has come into them. They have been brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So what's happened to God's kingdom? It got bigger. We got more people in, okay? So when lost people are reached, the kingdom advances. Not only that, but when reached people are then discipled in the ways of God, the kingdom is advancing as well. Why? Well, because all their nonsense from the kingdom of darkness, their wrong way of thinking about marriage and themselves and money and life, all those wrong ways of speaking, all those wrong ways of acting, of working, all those wrong ways are getting worked out in the process of discipleship through the word of God, cutting, convicting, convincing them. They're changing, they're morphing by the power of the Holy Spirit to become men and women who function biblically who think biblically, who speak biblically, who build biblically, whatever they're building, whether it's a family or a business, they're now starting to operate as a disciple of Jesus, okay? This is why it's so important that we become disciples, right? That we really, like, that you can really answer the question, are you a disciple this morning? That you could be like, yes, and this is your goal, to be well. A disciple is someone who's disciplined. They've been disciplined in the values of the kingdom. The values of the word are not just in the word, they're in their hearts, on their lips, in their mouths, in the way they live their lives. And it should be strange to the world around us. All right, that should be the evidence of it. So when reached people are then discipled, the kingdom is growing, okay? But not only that, when discipled people start to live lives of impact, the kingdom also advances. So now when disciples get out there and start getting their hands dirty, when they start changing neighborhoods and workplaces and schools and communities, and they start to make them look more like heaven, the kingdom is advancing. When Wilberforce ended slavery, guess what? The kingdom of God advanced on earth. Before that, it was like slavery is just, it's life. It's how this thing works. No, somebody stood up and said, hang on, the word of God teaches something different. And they got into parliament and they fought the ministers and they cha- after many years, they got the laws changed and the laws now reflect better the kingdom of heaven. And so our government, our schools, our neighborhoods, whatever sort of institution that we've established on earth should have the Bible as its blueprint. If it doesn't, it's because the saints are not doing the work of the ministry. If there's mess out there and it doesn't look anything like heaven, let me tell you something. It's because we've got a disempowered church who thinks their only job is to come to church every Sunday and sit on their pew and say amen. That is not your role. I got my role. You got to do your role. (laughs) All right, my role is to equip, to challenge, to train and teach you. Your role is to get out there and make an impact and change that stuff. So you see something wrong at the hospital that you're working in, Guess what? You're the answer to it. (laughs) You see something wrong happening in Parliament. Guess what? You're the answer to it. You see injustice in your neighborhood. Guess what? You're the answer to it. Heaven's looking to you and saying, you were born for such a time as this. The vision is heaven on earth. Amen? Heaven on earth. That's our mandate. And I want to encourage you, whatever vision you've got for your life, can it be greater than heaven on earth? Can it be more important than heaven on earth? What vision are you going after this morning? Is it heaven on earth? 
saints, let's make sure that we are living as representatives under the authority of the kingdom, operating in the authority of the kingdom, advancing the kingdom on earth. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. You know, when William Carey put an end to the, the practice of suti in, in India, whereas like if, if your husband dies, they would burn the, the widow with the husband, right? That was the practice. And like she doesn't have any other existence other than just being married to her husband. He put an end to that thing in India against much resistance and against like cultural practice in that nation. Guess what? Heaven came to India when that happened. So I want you to see this, is that when we start to impact the world, heaven literally is coming here. The kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdoms of our God. If you take a look at um, Isaiah 61, and I want to just show you this. This is what Jesus read at the beginning of his ministry. He came out of the wilderness, baptized in the Holy Spirit, went into the synagogue, and he took the scroll of Isaiah, and he read this. Why? My question is, why did he do that? What was the significance of him taking Isaiah and reading, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And all the eyes of people were on him. And he dropped the mic and he went and he sat down. <laughs> what was he doing? He was basically saying, this is who I am, and this is my ministry. This is what I'm called to do. And then if you just answer the question now, if you read the Gospels, did Jesus do everything here? Yeah. He did, eh? And he did it in so many different ways. He did it in different styles. He did, you know, but, but ultimately, the, this encapsulated what he came to do. So often his disciples would say, hey, come, let's go over here. And he would say, or oh, let's stay over here. And he would be like, no, I've got to go over there. What was Jesus doing? He was functioning in his ministry. And I want you guys to know that this, he's an example to us. Jesus is our prototype of what it means to serve the Lord, okay? The way he served his father was he was obedient to what the father had called him to do. And that needs to be the picture for every single one of us. We need to have the certainty in our hearts that, you know what? I'm called to politics. I'm called into this place, or I'm called into medicine. I'm called into this place. I'm called into education. I'm called into the youth. I'm called into this area, and my life is for this purpose, to bring the kingdom of God to this area. And then we get busy with that, and we live with the same discipline that Jesus and John the Baptist and, and Paul and all the other apostles lived in, that they knew what they were called to do. Amen. So when we look at, um, sorry, Dan, if you wouldn't mind putting up that slide about how the kingdom advances. When lost people are reached, when reached people are discipled, and when discipled people live lives of impact. My question to us this morning, so is, is your connect group your ministry? The answer is, well, does that happen in your connect group? If so, then yes, your connect group is your ministry. But I know there's some, some of us in the church that are, we've got connect groups and we're involved in discipleship, but we're also involved in the worship team or we're teaching the kids. And so, so which one is your ministry? Well, they both are. 
ministry is not necessarily just so such a narrow thing, all right? It's, it's the employing of multiple gifts often, all right? And what we should do is we know, okay, it's worship, and it's in leading this connect group. Those are my ministry expressions right now, and then we get really good at doing those because ultimately we're doing them for the Lord. Question, another question is, is your job your ministry? Well, does your job do this? <laughs> so let me, let's understand this for a moment, okay? Most of us work jobs where it's literally like it's serve these clients, get this product to this destination, file this report, submit this sort of proposal. It's, it's, and at the end of the day, we can go, nothing really like that happened <laughs> over there. Even if we did it with excellence, if we did it with integrity, with a joyful heart, as a witness to others, then possibly, all right, it's happening. But often we find ourselves in jobs, right, that are serving the vision of the companies that we work for. Amen? That's what we do. And when we work there, that's our job, is to serve those visions, all right? But we've got to get smart and go, well, how can I, within this place, serve the ministry of the kingdom? How can I affect this place? How can this happen in the place where I work? How can I bring the kingdom to this place? And when we start to think like that, then yes, your job is your ministry. But when we stop thinking like that, then no, you're just serving the business of your, your vision of your boss. That's what you're doing. And it's, yeah, it's money, not the box. <laughs> and, and so... I think this calls for all of us to, to really search our hearts and go, because sometimes we can just discount and say, yes, my job is my ministry, but none of that is happening there. And we've, and I think we've, like, I want to challenge you this morning and say, listen, if people are getting saved in your workplace, and if disciples are being made in your workplace, and if the kingdom of God is literally transforming that place, then yes, it is your ministry. But if not, then let's not fool ourselves. Okay, even if you're doing it with integrity and a smile on your face, that's awesome. You're a witness for the kingdom, but I wouldn't call it your ministry. Okay? So it's possible that what we can have is that your job becomes your ministry when we start to think like that. But also, what we can do is we can find that you can be an engineer, but your real passion lies with teenagers and helping them get discipled and out of the nonsense that they're in. And so you have an engineer who's actually like a youth leader at the same time. Or you have, I don't know, somebody who's in freight forwarding and they've got a real heart for married couples. And so their ministry is about actually working with married couples and helping them get married and go through premarital and then do marriage counseling. And so by day, they're freight forwarders serving, you know, the kingdom wherever they are. But by night, hallelujah, they're doing couples ministry and advancing the kingdom with couples. So, you know, we mustn't just get narrow-minded about this. We've got to think like, you can be a lawyer and worship is your ministry. By day, you're dealing dockets in court, but by Sunday and every other day, you're, you're leading worship and leading the saints into worship. And so there's ministry within the church, but there's also ministry without the church. But ask yourself the question, is it ministry? Ask yourself the question, is, is what I'm doing ministry unto the Lord? 
Is ministry everything that we do in the church? Yes and no. (laughs) I hope I'm not confusing you. There's many things that I do in the church that I do because they need to get done, but they're not necessarily my ministry. And like, listen, like when we come together, things need to be done, right? Somebody's got to be on sound. Somebody's got to be on light. Somebody's got to be welcome. So we've got to get stuff done here, right? And like when you go home, you get busy. You just do what needs to get done, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that is your ministry, okay? And so a lot of us, what we do is we sacrifice ministry for just playing a role in serving, I'll just serve once every three weeks. I'm on the roster. That's my ministry. That's what I'm doing. No, 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 no. That's just something that needs to get done. What is your unique gift, your package from God? Don't, don't just, just take the money. Take the easy route, you know? Take the whatever and, and not ask the question, what is your unique grace? My unique grace is to lead, equip, preach, and teach. So it would be wrong to, for you guys to make me go serve in hospital ministry. <laughs> like, I can do it. If it needs to get done, I'm gonna go there. Let me tell you something, and I'm gonna do it the best I can. as excellence unto the Lord. But where should Wayne spend his time? Where should he spend his energy? Trish's grace on her, on her life is mercy and justice. So if we put Trish in tech team, <laughs> God knows I have to help her with email all the time, you know. (laughs) It's just, it's not her grace. She's forever going, why won't this download? I'm like, darling, you just push that button over there. (laughs) She's like, oh, it it didn't work when I pushed it. We have graces. But it would be a disservice for you to just be doing what's necessary at the neglect of what God has specifically called you for. Where is your place? What is that unique gift? When you step in there and you just feel that like, yeah, this is, I love this, you know? So important that we find that place. I mean, I'm just looking at Noxia this morning and like thinking about how for years she's carried this heart for wellness and inner healing and people walking in peace. And she so went even back to varsity to study and get her master's cum laude. Come on now. That's how, that's how we do this thing, right? As, as the, we do cum laude, right? Amen? Come on. Every nation Durban, this is what we do, all right? For those of you who are submitting theses, we want to see cum laude. <laughs> feel it (laughs) you know but I'm just thinking now imagine if like we've got Jeremy over there who's who just lives for nations he's just like wait let's get people out the building and let's go somewhere and do something you know he just he wants to get people out let's go let's go you know why are we sitting 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 and Knox is like no 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 sit 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 let's 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 go there let's go Jeremy's like Go there later. People are dying in East London. Let's put a team together. Knox is like, no, 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 no. Let's, let's understand. Are you healed? Are you whole? Are you ready for this? <laughs> and then we've got Merv over there. He was like, let's just preach. Let's go. Let's preach. Let's tell people that they're lost. Let's get them saved. We all got different graces. 
There's different gifts on us. Which one is the, no, we need them all. We need them all. We need them to function. And it's so important that we don't put knocks on missions team leading that, that Jeremy is there, that he's doing that thing. And Jeremy, you know, God bless him, but he's not the right guy to be counseling people, you know? <laughs> Can he do it? Yes. But he wants to get people out, you know? <laughs> so we all carry a wiring for something, okay? And it's so important that we play to our strengths. How many of you have done the Strengths Finder test? That Gallup test, a few of us. All right, there's this thing, the Strengths Finder, and you do this like quiz, and then you find out what is like 34 strengths. But the whole philosophy of, of the, the test is built on the premise that we spend so much time refining what we're not good at and ignoring what we're naturally bent for. And life would be so much better if we actually just knew what we really bent for and invested and invested and give ourselves to that because that's what the world needs. And so it's a, I believe that's a kingdom philosophy. All right, and I'll show you this. Take a look at 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4 says the following. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. There is a great variety. I mean, in the Bible, there is a list. Okay, he's going to list some now, and then in Romans 12, we'll read some. But let me tell you, I, I don't believe that these lists are exhaustive. I reckon the, the guys were just writing and like, yo, okay, that's what I, the Holy Spirit's giving me for now. But like, honestly, we, there's so many. There's ministry everywhere. I mean, I recently met a woman at the end of last year who's in her 70s who leads a safe house and rehabilitation program who's a Christian and that's her ministry. And it's, it's grown from just being, I'm wired for mercy and justice to I'm actually now impacting so many lives. She's 70 years old and she's going to the police station in the early hours of the morning to fetch kids who've been brought in there who are victims of crime and take them to a place of safety. In her 70s, people. In her pajamas, <laughs> you know? Like, like that is ministry. That is ministry and how the world needs more people like her doing that. What is she? She is a disciple living a life of impact. She's a disciple. And so, you know what? You're, you might not necessarily end up doing your ministry full time. And that's okay. You might be like, you know what? By day I do this and by night I do this. And if, if, you, if by day you're struggling to say that you're, the lost are being reached and disciples are being made and impact is happening, then by all means, please, make sure that some part of your life that is happening and find some a ministry within the church that can do that. But there is this dual role that we walk sometimes, okay? And, it's, and there's nothing wrong with that. Your ministry could, however, you could start something. Like, I mean, there's one guy I heard about in the States who, who started feeding people. It's, it's now, he, was, he, was, he had another job, started feeding people, and the next thing, that's what he's doing for the rest of his life time like your ministry can just blossom and grow into something that's that like his is having global impact where they feed, he's feeding thousands and thousands of people every day and all he did was he started by saying okay who can I just impact now and let me connect this person with this person and and hey it worked out and then somebody said hey can we have some more and he was like yeah sure and then did this and did this and then eventually it was like it was growing so big you like had to go hey let me stop my job and let me just do this 
So that can happen, but sometimes you can be walking a dual role for a while. Look at what he says, a great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well. Can we all say that? Use them well. Can you say well again? Again. Louder. Use them how? Well. Guys, to serve one another. Your gift is for somebody else. Actually, it's not for you. You might enjoy the process, but like when God gives somebody the ability to sing, who's really being blessed? We are, right? We are the ones. Like, yeah, they're enjoying using their gift, but we are enjoying it, right? Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Yo, what is Peter saying? Take your gift and take it to another level. Take it to another level. Take it to kingdom impact level. Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies you. Do you have the gift? Oh, sorry. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ and all glory and power to him forever and ever. I think the tone of that passage is saying this. Be excellent. Be excellent. If God's called you to work in kids' ministry, make it everything, guys. Train yourself. Pray over this thing. God's called you into worship ministry. God's called you into reaching the homeless. God's called you into some area of society. Guys, sharpen yourself. Why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy of your best. He's worthy of your excellence. It is terrible that people can enjoy excellence in the world and come into church and get something sloppy and something half-hearted, and something like that's just not impactful. If anything, the house of God should be the house of excellence, where the world looks in here and goes, oh, that's how you do it. That if you're called to be in hospitality ministry, make it amazing. Take it to another level. Do it as though God himself were doing it through you. How would God do this ministry? Ask yourself that question, and do it like that. Don't look and go, oh, I'm just in hospitality, and, you know, I, you know Knox is doing her thing, and Tandy's in intercession, doing her, no, but no, I'm just here. No, don't compare. Run in your lane, all right? Everybody's in their lane. What is the lane that you're in, and is it bringing glory to God? Is God being glorified in that area? Train yourself. Paul emphasizes this in Romans 12. He says, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them loud. Serve them. If you are a teacher, teach. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. (laughs) Sobs, amen. If it is giving, give generously. Listen, some of you, God has called to be multi-millionaires. He has. He's called you to bring in the bucks, okay? Do it well. (laughs) Do it well. And when you do, don't just think about that new boat and that new thing, and then the house of God is like, oh, yeah, we should go to church. I'm too tired, you know. The new bed I bought. No, then it's not ministry anymore. That's just you, okay? Bless the church. Bless the missions. 
give so much that it would just bring so much glory to God so that the kingdom can advance on earth like never before. Go and, and release your gift into the kingdom, um, etc. It carries on, all right? These are not exhaustive. So in our church, we want to have, a, a, we have the slogan, all right? But we want it to be a reality that every member is a minister. Can we say that? Every member is a minister. When we look at the Word of God, this is biblical, okay? We are all on a journey of two things, coming into maturity and coming into ministry. Sometimes we neglect the latter and focus just on the former, where we know, yes, I need to be more like Christ. But you're never more like Christ when you're doing the ministry that Christ has called you to. <laughs> it's both. You are called for maturity to be like Christ and for ministry to follow in Christ's footsteps. If you don't have ministry, it's a sign that you're not walking in maturity. And you can't have either ministry or maturity if you're not yet a member of the body. So you must be a member, and what does that mean? You come and you join, you do CMC online, you go to iandurban.org and you click CMC, grow, and then from grow you do our CMC and you become a member, and you put your flag in the ground and say, this is my home, this is my community. This is where I'm bonding myself. And when you do that, maturity starts to happen. You cannot mature outside of being a member of the body of Christ. If you're just hopping around from one church to another, guys, you will never grow. If you take a, a plant and you plant it, and then you take it out the ground, and you plant it again, and you take it out the ground, will it ever grow? No. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they are the ones who will flourish. It's immature people who hop around. There's pride there. There's like, I'm, 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 I'm above this community thing. Actually, no, you're insecure. You're full of pride. Come build your life with others and watch your grow because they're going to offend you. They're going to stand on your toes. They're going to irritate you. And you're going to have to learn to forgive. And you're going to have to learn to be patient. And you're going to have to learn to be kind. And you, oh, that's when you're going to grow, okay? That's when you're really going to grow. So maturity and ministry. Why do you need to discover your ministry? If you don't, lost people won't get saved. Saved people won't be discipled, and discipled people won't make an impact. Could there be anything more important than you finding your ministry? Listen to this for an example. I want you to count how many people are involved in the story. Okay, wait, let's do, this, do it like this. You guys, on these two sections over here, I want you to count how many ministries I mentioned. And you guys on this side, including the middle, I want you to count how many people, different people's names I mention. Are you ready? You got your counting out? Let's go. Josephine, a single mom who has three children, lives in Durban and does not yet know the Lord. She struggles to provide for her kid, kids and works hard every day to keep them in school. One evening, whilst trying to make dinner and do homework with the kids, there's a knock on her door from one of her neighbors Mbali. <laughs> Mbali attends Every Nation Durban and has been praying for Josephine as one of her just ones for some time. She came to drop off some food for Josephine and invites her to connect group. 
which meets in the same apartment block. Josephine decides to go to the Connect Group. And when there is a time of prayer, she asks for prayer for her injured knee. One of the members of the Connect Group, Gugu, lays hands on her knee and prays a prayer of faith. Josephine is healed and subsequently gives her life to the Lord. Another member of the Connect Group, Murunwa, invites Josephine's teenagers to youth ministry on Friday nights. They also end up giving their lives to the Lord. When Josephine comes to church with her children, she's greeted enthusiastically by the hospitality ministry. And immediately, Kolani from Kids Ministry helps her sign in her younger child to the children's ministry. Josephine encounters God in worship ministry and responds to an altar call for prayer ministry. One of the leaders in the church of, in the prayer ministry, Carol, prays for her and she receives deep inner healing from the prayer. Benina from the Single Moms Ministry invites Josephine to come for a meeting where single moms can talk and help each other. She goes and makes many new friends who face similar challenges to her. She realizes that her older son has been struggling with the divorce that they've been through, so she signs him up for the men's ministry meeting. At the meeting, her son receives prayer and connects with Tando, a young man who starts to disciple him and takes him through recovery ministry, where his addiction to cigarettes is broken. Josephine now attends Connect Group regularly, and one evening after learning about the Holy Spirit, she gets baptized in the Holy Spirit and feels the need to also be baptized in water. The Connect Group organizes a water baptism, and her whole family is baptized in water. Her unsaved friends who attend the baptism also give their lives to the Lord, based on the change they see in Josephine. Having a strong desire to start her own business, Josephine attends the Marketplace Ministry, where she receives financial advice from Andre, one of the leaders in that ministry. She learns many kingdom principles for finance and starts to implement them in her life. Mark prophesies over her in one meeting that she will start her own business. After some time and receiving more godly counsel and prophetic ministry, she eventually does start her own business. Her son finishes high school and begins attending the local university where he gets plugged into the campus ministry. He becomes a connect group leader on campus, actively discipling other young men. Josephine's life has been radically changed by the power of God. There are numerous changes in her life, and she and her kids go through the church growth plan ministry, and eventually she becomes a strong leader in the church, taking over single mom's ministry while leading her own connect group, which is winning more souls to the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> how many, how many, what were you doing, people? How many people? Thirteen. Thirteen. Is there any consensus? Nine. Thirteen. Thirteen. Ah, okay. Ten. Thirteen. Ministries. Sixteen. Fourteen. 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 <laughs> but maybe there were more, all right? Maybe we weren't like, like, because that was ministry, all right? Or that was ministry. So what, all I'm saying is, yeah, 13, 16, guys, can you see that it takes all of us? Can you see that it's important that our role, can you see how important your role is in impacting other people by finding your ministry? Amen? Amen. All right. Can we stand to our feet?
I want to finish by just reading a scripture over you from Ephesians 2, verse 10. It says the following. It says, we are his workmanship. You, every nation Durban, are his workmanship. God doesn't make rubbish. He doesn't make mistakes. Whatever he does is fearfully and wonderfully made. I just want to release that over you this morning. You are his workmanship. And you are created, recreated in Christ Jesus for good works. There are good things that he had in mind for you to do. He prepared them beforehand so that you could walk in them. God has been very busy working in you, preparing you. He's got good works in mind and he wants you to walk in them. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.